to live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It is episode number 462. It is an Articles of News. It is me and Brother Kyle. Coming up in the second block of this episode, we are going to be talking with Nate Eaton uh, all about the latest in the uh, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow case. That's the second block. The third block, I visit with Michael McLean himself talking about the forgotten carols and how you're going to be able to enjoy that this year like never before, which means, Brother Kyle, we not only mm-hmm. have to find out what's going on with you, but also do the news here in the first block. Yeah, well, same old, I'm quarantined. Well, not quarantined, but I'm stuck at home here, so that's it. All right, and for me, uh, I'm working. And uh, yeah. and every time I do a theater show, I go, is that still happening? And my wife says, are they still doing that? And I said, well, we're being really safe. And yeah, we're doing it tonight. We'll do it again. I'm just waiting until I get uh, COVID yeah, you? from one of the gyms that I'm teaching at. Sure, and just, then... just counting it down. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> and, no, and knowing your luck, I'm sure that there will be no complications and you'll recover very quickly. Oh, and, all, and all, you can go back to all the episodes where I joked about it. And when I'm dead, you can play them at my funeral and laugh about it because I'm, you know, I have a sense of humor. So yeah. go for it. I, I actually will share this bit of audio with your family and say something like, it's what he wanted. And then, <laughs> and then take all that audio. Uh, say he's laughing in heaven. And then everybody will laugh. <laughs> Uh, I want to share an email. This came in, contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, remember that our email is sponsored by the Utah Taste Off, at Utah Taste Off. Uh, even if all you do in, is engage by uh, following them on Instagram, at Utah Taste Off, even if you're just looking at the gorgeous pictures of food, you know, just drooling over the delicious things that they do, do it for that. But they also make it, if you live here in the state of Utah, particularly in northern part of Utah, where you can uh, get these different foods and vote and make your voice known. Uh, They don't do an electoral college thing. It's just popular vote uh, as as you vote on these different foods. Soups, desserts, pies, turkey, maybe? Are we doing turkey at Utah Taste Off? I don't know. Follow them online. Travis writes the following email, and uh, Brother Kyle, I'm going to ask that you take this serious. I know. You keep telling me that. Uh, There's going to be an issue. Says, I've been listening and mostly enjoying your show in podcast form. It's your show, and you can promote and say anything you want. On the latest articles of news, you... And he's talking to you, I want you to know, because listen to this. He says, on the latest articles of news, you and Brother Richie talked about how others are just bullies based on participating in a truck rally for Trump. You either seem to restrain yourself, but Brother Richie doesn't. I keep wondering if either of you see your bullying actions in response. So I should say, I'm Richie, your Brother Kyle, he might have us confused because I feel like yeah, I had, saying, did I restrain? Yeah, I feel like I had restraint and you were just like, bah, <laughs> these guys and blah, blah, blah. So let me go on with Travis's yeah. email. He says, until the shaming and close mindedness can end on both sides, we will continue to slip farther into the abyss of being a modern day Book of Mormon story. Travis goes on. You're a part that of my teachers gave to me. Uh, uh. Are you doing the hand actions? I can't see you. I I just did the hand (laughs) actions, actually, yeah. Sorry, you said to be serious, but I... Yes, yes. Well, I appreciate the levity. says, you are a part of the modern-day MSM media, and what you say and how you react does have an impact. On a recent Articles of News, you spoke with a lady, Lisa, uh, and you spoke of and promoted fear and anxiety for the majority of the episode. That's Lindsay. Uh, throw your hands up in the air. She was talking about the anxiety that she had um, for the uh, pandemic and and how people were taking it seriousness and, and how she was interacting, etc. He says, I first noticed the lack of openness when you interviewed a guy about guns and his feeling on guns and other things. You obviously feel one way and instead of actually trying to understand, you have your opinion and by the end of your mocking sarcasm, it was obvious and sad. He goes on, overall, you have a great show. I guess I just expected more openness and less of the same behavior that you openly condemn and mock. Travis goes on, says, from the middle row, working my way back, Travis. So, what do you think about that, Brother Kyle? That is now uh, the nth amount of correspondence that I've got about that particular episode where you condemned the truck rallies. What do you think? I did, well, and I and the thing is that I do it with uh, some maybe levity. I joke about it only because from what I've seen on them 
and from personal experience in them. And, and boy, I'm going to take this and it's going to sound like you're bullying. Well, I'm not. Mm-hmm. So there are guys in big trucks yelling things, often obscenities. I know because I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Some of these trucks, uh, every of these parades I've seen that the trucks have per, have flags with the F word in it. Right. I'm not talking about fun or frivolity. <laughs> and <laughs> Although frivolity, Trump, or frivolity, your feelings is sort of a, <laughs> a that, funny flag that, that doesn't better. exist. Yeah. But, and, and they're they're rude and crude. And, and the, you know what? They don't represent the, re, let's say, the Republican Party, really. Right. What they represent is this offshoot of Trump people who who are bullies and mean. And there's, there's instances in my city that I witnessed where they were crude and crass to young women mm. walking mm. along the street just because. Yeah. Just because. And there's no reason. It was just people walking. They weren't carrying Biden flags. They don't know who they were. And so... That's why I joke about the bullying with it, because these are overzealous bullies who don't represent the Republican Party who who are bullying people. Right. And and I'm and I'm not saying that to bully them. It it is. It's, it's a bunch of clowns. Yeah, being um, being bullies. And important that you point out that that isn't everyone. In fact, I would say the, sure. the the large, large majority of people who voted on either side. Let's let's make sure. And, we and I this say in, oh. I say this all as a Republican. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I'm embarrassed by this crap. Yeah, that that there are those few people who would act this way. And yeah. and I think that uh, of of liberal people or if we want to call them Antifa or if we want to call it. You know, BLM, these extreme, extreme anything, these extreme anything who have disregard for other people like I want and I want to be loving of everyone. I want to be kind. And and so Travis sends this email and and uh, I brought it up with my wife and she's like, yeah, I edited that episode and you guys were horribly bullyish. And I was like, oh, but you know who I am. And she's like, it didn't sound like who you are. And so so. All that to say, as we kind of circle it back around, like like you point out, um, uh, it's never okay to bully either side. I don't feel like it's ever okay to be demeaning towards women either side. I don't think it's ever okay to destroy property either side. I don't think it's uh, I, I have a real problem. We won't get into this in our news today, but I have a real problem with people who protest um, at the homes of anyone, right? Oh, if if I'm if I'm do yeah. if I'm doing my job, protest me at my job, but you know, allow me the sanctity of my own home. I have a huge problem with that on either side. And so hear this, Travis and others who feel like, you know, we're very one sided uh, as far as all this goes. On either side, if you are doing any of those things, you are a bully. And I'll go a step further and say, and kind of a jerk. So don't. Consider how your actions that you're taking, you may be mad, and I'm not taking away the fact that you may be really mad about something, right? But you can be really mad about something. You can see the injustice thinking of like uh, Black Lives Matter people. You can see that really, you know, grave injustice that has existed, and you don't have to, any of these groups, be intimidating, be bullish, hurt another person, either with words or with your fist. You, you don't have to do any of that. And and, and, and I said it at some point, and I, I just said as a Republican, I'm embarrassed by this. And I was, as a skateboarder, embarrassed by these clowns also on the other side, these buffoons who are beating in a police car. Yeah. These jackals, these morons mm-hmm. that, again, are not representing a skateboarder, sorry, and, and be, <laughs> you know, really representing the BLM. Again, I, I, I will make fun of either side that is being just jerks about it. So all so to, that's what so that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, all to say, I think Travis has a good point. I think it's a good call yeah. to say, hey, you know what? We need to recognize that there are lots of people that listen to the things that we say. Sometimes Kyle and I just have a good time uh, recognizing and then not recognizing that, you know, some people may drop in on this and go, oh, I don't really feel okay with that. You can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. You can always uh, get in touch with us at The Cultural Hall on any of our social medias. Uh, there's ways that you can send messages and we would love to hear from you. In fact, I'm sure that in this sort of like come come to arms, all of us gather around the table. I'm sure that we said something wrong that someone will send an email about, but I welcome it because I'm not perfect. I know you're not. Just look at you for crying out loud. Uh, no? 
not you're not gonna you're not gonna laugh at that, Kyle. You're not no. gonna no. Okay. I'm, being, I'm being trying to be serious. <laughs> trying to be serious. I get you, but you know we can all do better. The way that we get better at these things is we have conversations. Sometimes those conversations are things that we recognize ourselves. Other times those are things that someone says, hey, that was really terrible the way that you said that. And we go, oh, you're right. I hadn't even considered. Let's, uh, let's do some actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. Here we go. Let's go. We've got a lot of news and not much time. Let's start here. Uh, we go to Virtual 2021 Roots Tech. Who are some people that are speaking? How about Nick Vucicic? Vucicic. Nick. He's going to be there speaking. Now, there, I mean, he'll be speaking uh, online. Uh, it's available for all of us to be able to participate because it has moved entirely online. He has visited more than 65 countries, met with 16 presidents, spoken to more than 6.5 million people live. He is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Unstoppable, The Incredible Power of Faith in Action. Uh, also, Sharon Leslie Morgan, the founder of Our Black Ancestry, an author and genealogist known for her tireless work relating to African-American-focused genealogy, will be another of the speakers. Or how about Lorena Ochoa, golfer? She is uh, also an entrepreneur, ranked as the best player in the world for 157 consecutive weeks, will also be a speaker at the upcoming Virtual 2021 Roots Tech. Now, speaking of virtual, I think we're enjoying the holidays this year virtually, right? Yeah, I am. And on Temple Square, Kyle, I just shoehorned you to try and be able to get you to tell that story. Oh, yeah. Want to do that one? Yes. So, <laughs> so I, I actually, although I had heard this, I... I didn't know what how what exactly it would entail. The Temple Square Christmas lights, they're going to be on, even though it's killing the trees mm -hmm. we talked about Yep. Uh, in downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, but the grounds are off limits. So the lights will be switched on every evening uh, after Thanksgiving. Uh, but due to some disease, I guess, in the area, the plaza, it's going to be fenced off. The gate's closed. Uh, and visitors will have to bask in the glow from the surrounding roads and sidewalks. <laughs> So look over the fence. Hey, what's that? Thing. Is that a light? Awesome. You can also go online to churchofjesuschrist.org, and you can be able to see the kickoff event, which normally happens uh, in person there at Temple Square. You can be able to see that virtual celebration. Um, yeah. Churchofjesuschrist.org. Again, links to all these stories will be available at theculturalhall.com. The other part, I mean, even sans the pandemic, I think that they were probably planning on doing virtual because Temple Square is torn up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's that's probably part of it, too. They don't want people walking around. That's a lot of hard hats. Yeah. Uh, down at the Harold B. Library down at BYU, uh, they shut down a common space that has study tables. Because students weren't wearing their masks. True story. The sign says, due to non-compliance with the campus mask policy, this area is temporarily closed. So what, what happened was uh, the librarian there at the uh, library at BYU looked around, saw that people weren't doing it, put up a sign, closed it, said, fine, if you can't wear a mask, this area is closed. Off limits. And, hmm? and and has basically said, and listen, anytime I see this, I'm putting that sign back up again. Wear your mask. You want to be in the library? Wear a mask. I got uh, a couple other just interesting stories. Are you uh, are you reading The Saints? Saints Volume 2 now out? Uh, I'm not. I have recently in my, like when I hop on the treadmill, I listen to podcasts sometimes, but there's a great audio version of Saints. I read the first one or listened to the first one. I'm going back and listening to it, but this is... Um, some things that have been gleaned from the second version of, uh, or volume rather, of uh, Saints. Uh, you can find it in your Gospel app if you want to check that out and be able to hear it. Uh, just a couple quick notes, things that maybe you didn't know. Did you know that there were gold missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? No, I yeah. didn't. Called back in the day during the gold rush. They said, you are hereby called to go find gold in the name of God. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. One for God. One for me, one for I'm sure I'm sure that the time you were consecrated, all your work went to the church. But interesting that we said, yeah, well, you know, go find gold for the church. Um, the connection between the gift of tongues and missionary work was made early on in the church. You know, that idea that I don't speak Japanese and I was able to go and be among the people and be able to 
be understood as I needed to relay that very important message. Um, that not something from just the 20th century uh, existed or that that uh, sort of not folklore, but that discussion around God blessing and, and allowing us to have the gift of tongues happened uh, and was discussed back in the 19th century. Missionaries were sent to places such as China and Jamaica as early as 1852, which I did not know. And then we think about, uh, you know, like the the wedding announcements that are in like the Davis Clipper, you know, your local newspaper that's like, Kyle, oh, is, Kyle is marrying Mary. And it's yeah. a pic- it's your picture of you in your camo hat. And we all go, well, that's not going to work. Back in the day, uh, the Deseret News used to print um, letters from missionaries around the world. So like if you were out serving your six-week mission that I've made you commit to, Kyle, you wrote mm-hmm. home or you wrote to the Desert News, they would print your letter. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? I've had my picture in the in the uh, Davis County Clipper several times. Well, that you know? th- that paper's going away. I'll have I, you know. I know. I know. You going to be okay? Sad. I'll be all right. Uh, another quick story that I just think is interesting, and download this app if you haven't yet. If you go to become.org, it's an app that the church has uh, launched and produced. It takes you through simple, self-guided paths. Uh, you can do short, engaging activities. Um, the longer ones are called journeys. And it, and it basically is um, it's sort of like a, a, like a gospel-led life coach in an app. It's meant for anyone um, that you know is a follower of Christ, so it doesn't have to be necessarily a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints specific, but they've spent a lot of money in it. Um, some of the other topics are things like how to pray, serving others, life of joy, hear God speak, working through disappointment and forgiving others. It's a, an amazing um, resource that is available, and it's available for free. So many of us have that time where we're like, ah, oh, we... Are we growing? Are we doing anything? Are we becoming, notice the word, becoming what we feel like we should become? And uh, and so you can find it if you go to become.org. What do you got? It, so have you ever heard of the Black 14? I have, as a I, matter I of had fact. not. Uh, so if you don't know who it is, it's in 1969, there were 14 African-American players for the University of Wyoming. They were about to play BYU, Brigham Young University, and they were going to sport black armbands in protests of the church's uh, then priesthood temple ban on mm-hmm. blacks mm-hmm. that ended nine years later. So their coach kicked them off the team right before the game. Yeah. They came to kicked him and off. said, they came to him and they said, Hey, we'd like to protest. Here's like, how, here's how we would like to protest. And the coach essentially said, well, I'll, I'll just help you out. You're off the team. And I'm assuming then that they lost horribly. No, they won. They won the oh, game. Did they? <laughs> they did. Did they really? Yeah, based on no based idea. on pure adrenaline. You know, I'll use <laughs> I'll use this opportunity to tease this. This is an upcoming episode of the Cultural Hall. Ooh, really? Uh huh. So so this is cool. So it's fifty years later. The the Black Fourteen. They're still kind of this band together. Uh, they're teaming up with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints to bring 180 tons of food to people uh, in nine U.S. cities from Maryland to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So super cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, in fact, Mel Hamilton talks about it. He's one of the original ones. He uh, he's a lifelong Catholic. And later, his son would actually convert to Mormonism and is a high priest. Mm-hmm. You just took so, everything that we talk about in that episode, Brother Kyle. Oh, and you just <laughs> but it, It's a great story. I can't wait to hear it. Well, and he's great. I sit down with Mel himself and he you could not meet a kinder gentleman and he lets us know about so there were 14 that's where uh, black 14 comes from he lets us know uh about the 14 and not everyone uh is participating in this there are still hurt feelings even this 50 years later that not all of the 14 um have said yeah we're we're on board we'll work with you some said nope we're not going to so it, wow. it, is a, it is a fascinating story in an upcoming episode of the Culture Hall. I'll use this opportunity to let you know that if you are a Patreon saint of the Culture Hall, you would already have access to that episode and could watch me and Mel Hamilton talk about it. So uh, the uh, groundbreaking for the Bentonville, this is Bentonville, Arkansas Temple, has uh, occurred. Elder Bednar was there. 
Uh, Elder Bednar has a lot of history there in the Arkansas area, and so he got to be a part of it. Uh, they brought in a bunch of dirt that actually wasn't the dirt. They brought in a bunch of that fake grass and a couple of red velvet chairs and said, let's pretend this is a groundbreaking. And then they did it. And then they cleaned up the fake grass and the chairs they took away. And they said, didn't we just put this dirt here? Let's move this dirt out of here and get to work. So uh, the Bentonville, Arkansas Temple on its way. A lot of news about the fact that there will not be the giving machines for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this year. Um, but people can still get involved. You can do it all online. Um, they're, they're hoping that people will partner with JustServe.org, uh, which is a great website, a great resource. It's produced by the church as well. You can go on and put in your zip code no matter where you live, and um, it'll give you opportunities for one-time service or opportunities for, you know, like regular weekly kind of thing. Like me and the boy, we go to the food bank every week or or whatever you want to do. Um, there will still be the 25 simple ways to serve others as part of the uh, Light the World campaign. And you can get that calendar, download it, and see an 18-minute film on the birth of Christ. It's called The Christ Child, all available right now at lighttheworld.org. Man, we are blowing through these, Brother Kyle. Wow, good. Uh, you have what, one more? Is that right? I got one more, yeah. Uh, let me, uh, let's go here because i know this is where your story goes um you watching the real housewives well there is the real housewives of salt lake city but there's also uh emily simpson's husband shane is uh opening up right now about his life now why do we care why are we talking about it well shane unlike the real housewives of, of salt lake city he is actually a member of the church does not drink alcohol, jokes that he prefers juice boxes, and uh, his oldest daughter is a member of the church as well. So he started to open up a little bit about that. And why are we talking about that? Well, because the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is putting a whole different kind of focus on the church. It is, uh, and the show has begun. I watched one episode. Uh Now, nobody loves trash TV more than me. (laughs) Uh, uh, Jersey Shore, um, you know, Tosh Point, oh, anything that, you know, makes fun of other people that is horrible. I watch it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I can't stand this show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really bad. I'm sorry, but it, but it, it is, it's just a, a terrible show. And I've watched some of the other real housewives of, and there's different city shows and, and they're all, they're just bad. I yeah. don't know how they're still on. Yeah. I, I, I should control that, but I don't, but the real housewives of Salt Lake city, the reason we talk about it is that as you would expect, they do tie in some uh, church-related or uh, quote-unquote Mormon stuff in there. Yeah. So there's some people that are or or were Mormon in it. So the the, uh, let's, the one thing yeah, that I, the one thing that I will say that kind of coming away from this, coming out of it, is I do appreciate that it is sort of opening up our. Um, our way of speaking about members of the church, meaning you're sort of in or out up to this point, right? Like you're either an active member of the church or you, you sort of, you know, you don't go or you're a Jack Mormon, right? We have few terms yeah. um, for it, but there are like one of the women on the show, she talks about being Mormon 2.0 and how That's Lisa Barlow. Yeah. She keeps Mormon too. She keeps yeah. some of the things, but not all of the things. Or she's Mormon culturally, but not practicing. And I and I think, although this is not the way maybe to go about it, I think there is some value of saying, you know, there, as the folks at Sunstone say, there's more than one way to Mormon. I think that there's, when when we say Mormon or 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 we use that term or or the um, the culture around Mormonism, I think it's bigger than maybe we have thought previously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Lisa Barlow also, by the way, went to BYU, Brigham Young University. But but the thing is with these women, it's not that they're, you know, Jack Mormon or or, or former Mormon. Uh, let's see, Heather Gay was, uh, was a devout Mormon and married to what they call Mormon royalty for 11 mm-hmm. years. And mm-hmm. then she got, she went bad is what she said on it. Mm-hmm. But so it's not that they're Mormon or former whatever. It's that they're horrible people. <laughs> Kyle. And and don't get mad at me. Don't it, it, any of you gals that are on the show, don't email into Richie and say, "Will you quit bullying us?" You're they're horrible. 
it's the way it is. Sometimes people are horrible people, and these women are, are horrible people. Just the There's way- a few horrible people in the world. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're unapologetic at labeling that there are people that are horrible in the world. I will just go as far as to say, Kyle, come on. And, you know, I mean, they could do a better job about how they act and how they treat people. But they wouldn't be on TV. They wouldn't be on TV if they were like, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate that as well. Um, The the way to get on TV is to be horrible or get pregnant when you're 15, (laughs) as I have learned from watching television. Low the, these many years. The remainder of the stories, uh, at least in this portion, don't forget, coming up, we're going to talk to uh, Nate Eaton from East Idaho News about the latest in the uh, Chad and Lori Daybell case. And then also we're going to talk. Speaking with, of horrible people. Yes. Oh my not gosh. him. Not no, him. I'm talking no. about that. Yeah. Chad and Lori. Chad and not Lori. Nate. You, you don't make a better person <laughs> than you do Nate. Um, but those are coming up in the second and third blocks, respectively. I just have these three stories. One. A former Latter-day Saint bishop apologized to his family, to his congregation, and to victims of sexual exploitation before being sentenced to prison for having child pornography on his cell phone. We've talked about this story before. Uh, He, that is Timothy James Hallows, 62 years old, uh, told a federal judge that he recognizes pornography as a bane on society and possessing underage images goes beyond the pale. He says, quote, I'm fully aware of my culpability in this case, and I take full responsibility for the things that I have done and for the actions that I have taken. There is no one else responsible but myself. He admitted to having images of prepubescent children being sexually assaulted by adults on his cell phone and sending them to a woman, a woman in the Philippines last November. Um, he was able to be caught by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It led investigators to him. Uh, Eric Hawkins, spokesman for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said the allegations were serious and deeply troubling after his arrest last year. And when local leaders learned of these allegations, he was immediately removed from his position. That's one going a little lighter, but maybe not. Uh, the chapel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Moab uh, reported that someone had broken into that chapel and had spray painted the word cult, C-U-L-T, cult on multiple chalkboards, several pictures that had been pried off the wall, and two pictures uh, with black spray paint blacking out Jesus's face. They have not caught anyone yet. Uh, the Garrett, that is Douglas Garrett, the first counselor of the Moab stake, said this shouldn't happen to any congregation of faith, and he's right. Uh, the fact that there was the word cult lets people know that it was, in fact, a hate crime, and that person uh, will be charged with that. Interestingly enough, though, no signs of forced entry, so likely it was a deacon who broke in because he knows how to get in to play basketball, like every deacon knows how. You just stick a chair in the window and then sneak back in there late. That's a joke, of course, but every deacon knows what I'm talking about. And then finally this, Amanda Catherine Steele. Remember, we talked about her last year as well. Uh, she told investigators, uh, uh, rather, Amanda Catherine Steele's husband told investigators that he caught his wife snuggling up to a teen boy in their hot tub. An Idaho woman has taken a plea deal that nixed her sex offender charges after she was accused of sexually abusing several teenage boys from a Mormon seminary school. Uh, She was ordered last week to spend 90 days in jail after she pleaded guilty to two felony counts of injury to a child. She had originally been charged with three felony counts of sexual battery after investigators said that in 2016, she lured teenage boys to skip seminary and come over to join her in the hot tub. It's a disgusting story. Can we be can we be as bold to say disgusting? I think we can. Yeah. At the time, Steele was married. She's no longer married. Her now former husband was present uh, as part of this and involved in the case. Um, Steele confessed that she had had sex with the underage boys. However, um, he, that is her husband, admitted that he was more worried about saving their marriage than legal matters. So he did not speak up when he first found out. He said that at one point he caught his wife with a teen in their hot tub. In addition to jail time, she must also complete 300 hours of community service, pay nearly $5,000 in fees and fines. And to me, and we'll end it here, 90 days, $5,000, and 300 hours of community service does not seem like enough. What say you, Travis? We'll come back in the second block. We'll talk about Chad and Lori Daybell. Third block, Michael McLean. Kyle, Yeah. try, try not to make anyone mad. I don't need any more email.
Sorry, you guys. Let's unite. Together. One, two, three. You want to say together, together? Okay. One, two, together. three. Together. 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 Is it a lag on Zoom? Why that can't we get one. this? Together. Uh, it's a delay. We Is have a sec six second one, delay between us. One, two, together. Together. Got three. Together. <sighs> we, got it. we got it. Edit that out to get the one that we did. Nope. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra mega back to school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra high quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy. Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your Windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. I figured it was about time that we check in with our friend Neat Eaton up in uh, Idaho. You know, he's at the East Idaho News for all the latest on the Lori Daybell, Vallow Daybell, Chad Daybell, Vallow, lots of different last names. Uh, listen, it's Chad and Lori up in Idaho. What is the latest, Nate? Yeah, it's been a little bit, uh, Richie, and... And the latest is uh, a judge ruled just a few days ago that the trials will be combined. Chad and Lori, for those not familiar uh, with the case, they're facing similar charges in regards to Lori's children who were found buried on Chad Daybell's property in June. So they're both facing similar charges. Chad's attorney did not want these trials combined. He said, I want to do it separately, give my uh, client a, a fair shot. The judge said, because the charges are so similar, because the witnesses will be similar. Uh, we're going to combine these trials and that will be held next July. So it's been pushed off Jeez. for several months. One of the issues being COVID because right now in Idaho, juries cannot meet. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if COVID was not happening, there would be a lot more progression in this case and a lot more answers. So many people are saying, why is it taking him so long to get them to trial? Well, you can thank COVID for that. Yeah. Is it detrimental to either of them, either Chad or Lori, to have them be combined? Aside, obviously, from, I guess, I mean, I guess I answered my own question, right? They can't accuse the other one of, of, of being the instigator in the whole thing? Well, the, that's the interesting thing, because they were they will both have to come up with their own defenses. And so it could be that one of them cops a plea agreement before that actually goes to trial. Or at trial, it may be that one points the finger at the other and then I don't know how the other one will respond. So it, it is an interesting turn of events. Lori's attorney did not oppose this. Hmm. He was he was fine and Lori was fine with combining them. But it was Chad's attorney, his legal team that said, hold up, we want our own trial. The judge said, listen, we're having a hard enough time getting any trial to go forward. Let's combine them. The witnesses will be the same. It's going to be the same evidence. It'll save the taxpayer money. Uh, let's just do this all in one fell swoop. And it's going to be for four weeks oh next gosh. summer. So it's not it's not going to be a few days. It's going to be four weeks. Experts are going to come in. And again, a lot could change between now and then. A lot of people are saying, why haven't they actually been charged with murder or conspiracy to commit murder? Right now, they're, they've only been charged with concealing evidence, that evidence being the bodies of J.J. and Tylee. Well, the prosecutor has said all along he's going to be very careful with this case. Chad and Lori aren't going anywhere. They're both behind bars. They're not, uh, you know, bailing out or anything. So he's going to be very careful if he decides to bring murder or conspiracy murder charges. And again, back to that COVID thing, grand juries cannot meet right now to indict. And if they do want to go with the grand jury process, they simply 
can't do it. So kind of a holding pattern right now and will be for a little bit. So a couple things to then pick up. I know that I saw in the fine reporting from the East Idaho News just the other day that there was some audio of Lori saying, oh, well, yeah, just like Laban, I'd need to kill my my uh, my third husband or something like that. What, what was all that about? Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting twist. Lori's been married five times. Chad is her fifth husband. Jeez. Husband number four was shot and killed last summer by her brother, Alex, who's now dead. He died around Christmas time last year. Husband number three, Joe Ryan, she divorced in 2005. So they've been divorced 15 years, but it was apparently a nasty divorce. They had a child together, Tylee, and he died in 2018. So two years ago of an apparent heart attack. His body was not found for several days. It was decomposed. He was quickly cremated. Hmm. So there's no, there's no body to exhume out of the ground or do any sort of autopsy that, that, that's kind of done. Well, in this recording that Lori made is part of a religious group uh, about a year or two ago. She says she wanted to murder her husband, Joe. She had a, a murderous intention. She was going to kill him. But she then went to talk with her bishop and got her temple recommend and started going to the temple more and more. And so she said she turned her heart to the temple. And that's when her murderous heart uh, went away. And she she ap appears to justify these thoughts and sayings by quoting different scriptures in the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants by saying, you know, Laban, or, uh, Laban was killed by Nephi. So this th th I felt that that's what God wanted me to do. All along, this third husband's death has kind of been in the background. No one's really talked about it. But now since this recording surfaced, it's, it's now at the forefront and Phoenix police even came out and said they are re-looking at that investigation into how her third husband did die. Mm. So we have her actual voice saying those things. She, yeah, we ha she has, we have the voice. We have the whole recording at East Idaho news. If you want to go listen to it, it's about a 40 minute recording. She would hold these, I, I guess she, uh, cottage meetings, you could call it, go to people's homes and they would talk about, you know, visions and dreams that they had and share it. And so this was Lori sharing her quote unquote testimony and her conversion story. And, and that's, you know, I've talked to people who were there at the meeting who said Lori was always talking about extreme stuff, but none of it would ever happen. It'd be like me coming to you after and saying, this is how the friend told it to me. If I came to you and said, oh, I'm so frustrated with my wife, I'm going to kill her. You know, you might not take that literally. And, and a lot of her friends didn't take this stuff literally because she was always prophesying about things that never came to pass. Mm -hmm. She was always saying these extreme things. So when she says, I wanted to murder my husband, they took it as not she would actually physically murder him. But it is ironic, coincidental, whatever, that he does die at a young age and he's quickly cremated. Did she have anything to do with the fact that he was quickly cremated or is that was that the other family's choice or what What about all that? I, I don't believe she had much to do with the cremation because at that point they had been divorced for several years. But she or her daughter started receiving money after the dad died. She started uh. getting benefits from his death. And there's a question on whether Lori was getting life insurance money from her third husband's death. We don't know that. We know that money plays into Chad Daybell's wife dying because weeks before she died, the insurance policy was increased and he received, according to police, I think $400,000 after she died right away. And then he went with Lori to Hawaii. So money has played into all of this. And, and I think the question is, why would she want her third husband dead if they've been divorced for so long? Well, there was a custody issue with their daughter. And also, if he did have life insurance money, she could have been a recipient of that. So as it stands now, they've been ordered that they're going to be in the same trial together. It's going to be four weeks, not until July, if, uh, if not maybe even later, depending on what the situation with COVID looks like. They're looking to do a grand jury. So are we just kind of in a holding pattern then until July or what 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 are we looking forward to in the coming months? Well, in January, they're going to to discuss moving the venue out of Madison County, which is Rexburg. Anybody familiar with southeast Idaho? Rexburg is probably I don't know if it beats Provo in the numbers of LDS members, <laughs> but it, but it is ninety nine percent Latter-day Saint. And so her attorney and his attorney are saying they can't get a fair trial here. Re religion is such a, a key part of this, and everybody's following the story. They're going to argue to move it to another part of Idaho in January. Her, his attorney is also requesting a hearing to have all the charges dropped. 
uh, which will be an interesting thing. And, you know, with with this story, Richie, anything could happen between now and and July. And I think a lot will. Remember, we still don't have Tammy Daybell's autopsy back, at least publicly. That's Chad Daybell's wife who mysteriously died in her sleep in October of last year. Uh, And charges could come out about that case. We also are waiting on the investigation into Charles's death down in Arizona. Police have not closed that. They could file charges. So uh, just when you think things are getting quiet in this case, that there's been no quiet in this case, I should say. And, and we're nearly going on a year now. It was the week before Christmas last year when police came out and said JJ and Tylee were missing. And who would have thought we'd, we'd end up here? Uh, Chad and Lori are both in jail. Are they in the same uh, prison? They're not. Uh, they're, Chad is in the Fremont County Jail, which is in St. Anthony, Idaho. He has a list of very specific visitors who can go and see him. And, and that's it. Nobody else can because there have been members of the public who have tried to show up and go talk to him. Mm. And Lori is in the Madison County Jail, which is in Rexburg. She's in isolation by herself in a pod all on her own. She, uh, They don't allow in-person visits there. It's all through video conferences. And so technically anybody could log on to the system and try to request a visit with her. And that's happened mm-hmm. several people in the public. And, and uh, so she's, but she's not having any visitors either. Do we know, have they, have they, or were, would they be able to talk with each other? Well, inmates aren't legally uh, supposed to talk with each other. Um, all the mail is read that goes in and out of the facilities and because they they are charged with conspiracy on these um, you know cases, uh, the officials aren't going to allow them to to talk. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that Chad's child couldn't call him and someone else in the room could call Lori and they could put the phones up next to each other? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that that's a possibility, uh, and that's a way that they could communicate. They also could communicate through their attorneys. But as far as direct communication with each other, one-on-one, picking up the phone and calling, they're not allowed to do that. Uh, maybe through one of the portals that they talked about, maybe they could contact each other that way. Is that? Oh, I'm just teasing. There have been several people that have said that, that he could create a portal in his jail and, and she could have a portal in her jail. So I, I, there, there is a possibility of, of that. It does make you wonder uh, at what point does one of them crack quote unquote mm-hmm. will that happen mm-hmm. i mean uh right now maybe it's in her favor to turn on him as the bodies were found on his property right uh and she could say i don't know i don't know what she could say but but will they ever turn on each other or will they remain loyal to the end they they believe that they are called of god that they are prophets and prophetesses and that they've had visions and that they were ushering in the second coming of christ they could look at at going to the death chair if that's what it came to is well that's what all the prophets before us have done so we'll die for the cause or or do they turn on each other and and i guess only they know that question the answer to that question yeah a big pause in this whole thing but excited to see uh what ends up coming with all this again several months before the the case goes to trial july that seems like forever away but it'll be here before we know it and who knows as you point out what will happen between where we stand today as we're chatting and that july court date uh for for all the latest and uh up-to-date information people can go to eastidahonews.com that's where they post everything that they get about this case and nate eaton has been not only uh, on top of everything for east idaho news but our great representative here in the cultural hall thanks for taking a couple minutes nate thanks richie take care up on your computer ldsbookstore.com that is where you can get a gift for mom you can get a gift for dad Put it in a box and in the morning they'll be glad. LDSbookstore.com is where you go. LDSbookstore.com. Get yourself some Christmas goodies from LDSbookstore.com because they sponsor the show and they are the, wait for it, bomb. Made it up without even thinking two seconds about it. Could you tell? Well, they go in and think about everything for you. For all your Christmas shopping needs, go to LDSbookstore.com. Go there. Do it. Shop there. Why? Well, because they have great stuff. And also because they sponsor your favorite show available in podcast form. You know, here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, I'm surprised we got him, uh, you know, on a Zoom that we're able to even chat with him. Uh, Michael McLean, I'm sure that you're just on your way to the theater 
You're going to be doing all the pre before the, the show opens up, the Forgotten Carols. You're probably doing 100 shows every night, right? That's, that's, that's how Christmas normally is. Well, it's a little different this year, obviously, because instead of being on the road going to one town per night, uh-huh. I'm on 59 theaters on the big screen. It's now- going to be an amazing experience for people to get a chance to see this starting this week. Now, uh, the big question is, though, uh, I mean, why? You could be able to tour this around, but you've decided no, to put this no, on. No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I, the, I I, don't know why you couldn't. Is the dream not alive anymore in, inside you, Michael? What, 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 why the change? You would go town to town, give us this intimate theater experience. I'm, hugging all the people. Yeah, hugging. Like, yeah, 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 that's right. That's Tur- right. Turn to the when, person not in your household behind you and tell them how much you love them and sing a song with them and all the things. That's we're not we're not doing that. Has 2020 thrown a wrench into all? You know, it's interesting. We completely reimagined the show last Christmas. It was a a whole new telling, and my son Scott did some really great work helping us with this new way of telling the story, and it was so well received that um, I told the marketing team, let's triple the number of places we can go. (laughs) And um, I said, next year, 2021, will be the 30th anniversary of my telling this. And and maybe that will be a good time for me to retire this. So we planned it and we were so excited. And then COVID hit and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't rent a theater. You (laughs) couldn't, you just couldn't do it. Right. And I, and I was just, this would this is the 29th year of doing this tour and i felt so sad for me but really mostly sad for people for whom this has become uh, a holiday tradition and i and i thought you know this is a year that people are going to probably need this connection more than ever and then we i'd kind of just given up and then disney plus released hamilton and i thought well wait a minute that's just a, a play that they filmed what if there was some way this summer or early fall that we could film our show and then make it available for people in places where I couldn't go? And the other thing, just P.S., is um, the beginning of COVID, two very dear friends of mine were killed by this awful disease. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And, and, my, doctor, and my doctor said, McLean, you are the guy that if you get this, you'll be dead. You have chronic kidney disease. You have horrible lungs. And you're a diabetic, that you and you're old. You're a <laughs> geezer. So, so you're you've got to be really, really careful. So everybody's been really protective of me and quarantining and wearing masks and all of that. But um, when we got an opportunity, I think it's a miracle to be able to film this. Everybody did the protocols great. They were really conscientious about it, and no one. It was great. Nobody got sick. We had a. Uh, socially distanced and masked live audience to capture it. And then the first time I've ever seen the forgotten carols was three days ago, <laughs> you know, because I've been it. It's funny. So we've been chatting for a couple of minutes and we hadn't mentioned that we were talking about the forgotten carols. Cause you and I both know that everyone should know Christmas means forgotten carols. I love that you, um, because I think a lot of people just said, well, too bad. R- we'll write off this year and we'll try it again next year. Um, but you decided to kind of to move into this space and be like, hey, let's do a filming of it. Let's get uh, let's get uh, an audience, a socially distant audience and and get the actors to come and perform it. So so did you rally all the old uh, the, all the old kids and get all the, the cast together from yesteryear and came out or are there new faces, new faces? There's some new faces, brilliant new faces. And um, part of the reason there's some new faces is. Um, scheduling and timing your faves adrian swenson who's connie lou is Mm -hmm. so so brilliant and people will get a chance to see her in a way that you know if you came to uvu or the d event center and there's five thousand people in the audience and you're just a little speck down there this will be like having front row seats for everybody Mm -hmm. uh in the filming we've added some actors in it because of the way it's been reimagining. I've even added uh, a new song or two as part of the story. And um, so it was more than just, let's get the band back together and sing the old hits. It was really, uh, how do we do this? How do we improve the sets? How do we, you know, it was another opportunity to mortgage the house again. (laughs) (laughs) 
there there are many opportunities within a theatrical setting that uh, that people have and that that live theater experience uh, allows us to be able to engage in that don't play on the screen and vice versa. It's exciting as I've been able to to see it, been able to see how you take some of those subtle things that can only be picked up on a camera and how those those things can be sort of emoted out and we can kind of fill them along with the characters that probably existed there before in the main big stage production. But unless you had the really great up-close seats, like you said, you just weren't able to either see yeah. or feel or, or really get the nuance of everything. So you got the band all you, you got the band new and old together in the summer of this year, put it together, I would imagine, in pretty short time. Yeah, it was really it we we rehearsed it heavily in August. We shot it at the beginning part of September and then have been editing it and finessing it and uh all the stuff that you have to do to get it ready for being in movie theaters, digital prints, uh tweaks, coloring corrections and everything else. And of course, <laughs> seeing yourself on a movie screen 15 feet tall, mm-hmm. that's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's freaky. Uh, it's, you know, I turned to my wife while we were watching this and said, does this movie make my butt look big? Is this really, <laughs> what, what, what is that uh, muffin top did, on those pans? Did, did you want me to answer any of these questions, by the way, or are these all rhetorical? Well, did you, did you, <laughs> did you get to see um, a transfer or did you go into the screening room with the big screen? Uh, I just got to see a transfer of it, uh, uh, essentially a, uh, like a, a screener. Thing. Yep. A Vimeo. So did you I, like it okay i did like it the thing that i would be curious and you sort of made a joke about this but um you said this is the first time that you've actually seen the forgotten carols and i believe you because you've always been in it before did you see things were you touched in a way that that maybe you hadn't been because you had always either been worried about the next line the next song the next scene the scene changed the whatever was the story of it able to impact you in a different way you know, that's that's a gr- kind of a great question that I haven't been asked. One of the reasons that people would have often asked me, this is the 29th year, do you ever get just tired of doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is it, you know, and the, and, and the honest answer is the reason I don't get tired of it is not because it isn't tiring being on the road performing. It's because every time I tell this story, I actually learn something mm-hmm. and I go, Oh my heavens, I know I wrote these songs, but they have new meaning for me because I'm performing them tonight. And tonight I have a different kind of need than I had two weeks ago. So the question that you asked is, was there something that I experienced about the story watching it mm-hmm. that I haven't experienced on stage doing it? Yeah. And and here's the two, here's the two big takeaways for me. The first thing is, um, and we may have talked about this back in the day, but I have spent 50 years fighting clinical depression. And one of the manifestations of my kind of mental disorder, and I did take my pills this morning, so (laughs) I think I'm going to be good, Good. at least for this interview. I I took my meds. But um, one of the manifestations of it is my sense of um, worthlessness, Mm -hmm. that the fraud police are just about they're in the wings of the stage and they're going to say, he doesn't know what he's doing and he's no good. And, and I always, my, my response to standing ovations is, you know, these people are, a lot of them are members of my faith and they are kind. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is they really want to get out of this theater because it's just been a pain. (laughs) And that's what, you know, are they standing because they loved it? Are they standing because it's time to move on? And, and I've always, you know, I've always been so unable to think I'm okay. And I know that it isn't true. I know that there is great value, and I'm getting better at this over the years. But um, my fear was that in watching it, I would just see everything that I didn't do well. And here's the thing that really moved me. After about the first 10 or 15 minutes, I started to let the story just happen to me. And I wasn't self-critical. I let myself flow with it. I would see things that, um, particularly in others, that when you're on stage and Adrian Swenson's singing to you, you know, I'm right there. I'm four feet away and feeling the power of it. But being able to watch her sing it to this old man, John the Beloved, allowing myself to feel it 
closer to what I think the audience may be feeling. It was a first for me. And, um, and, and, and the interesting thing about this story is that um, I didn't think, oh, man, isn't this great? Didn't I tell a great story? <laughs> or isn't my son's version of this script a huge improvement? Or, you know, and Christy Summerhays, who's such a great director. Oh, didn't she tell that? Well, I had a moment, well, an extended moment, where I wasn't thinking about all that stuff. I just, I just yeah. thought, and here's the other thing, because the new improved version of this, I think it's the way it was always supposed to be, and it just took me a long time to get here. And because, because of its message and because of this time, when it came to that new ending, uh, just before uh, when Connie Lou is fearful, you know, everybody she's ever loved that she lets into her life leaves her and she prays for the first time in 20 years and gives that answer. I just had this resounding connection to our world and we're scared and, and we're fearful and we've been through a frightening, frightening time. And many of us feel isolated and uh, alone. And in that moment, I just hoped that everybody who has been feeling alone can receive this gift that I want to give them so that some of that can go away. And it's not, it's not because, the, you know, it's not because the movie made it go away. It's because the one that the movie's about is the only one that can really make it go away. Now, now you mentioned that The Forgotten Carols is available in, I think it's all Intermountain West theaters, right? 59 of them that people can check out and be able to well, see. It, it's in, if you go to ForgottenCarols.com, there's a list of all the theaters. And it's, I think, five or six states in Canada. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah, so it's, you know, Megaplexes and Cinemarks and a bunch here. And then in Idaho and Arizona and Nevada and Wyoming. And I think there's some in Pennsylvania and yeah. Lethbridge, Alberta. Yeah, It seems like Pennsylvania is sort of, you know, out of the group of all the rest of those states, but perfectly fine that it would be in Pennsylvania. Well, I, I think I think one of the reasons that uh, that uh, Brandon Purdy of the Purdy distribution thing <laughs> is so hopeful that we'll get a really great turnout during the opening weekend is because a lot of theaters he's been talking to that are on the on the cusp of whether they're going to have it come to their place <laughs> are waiting to see is there really an audience for this because it's not like you know, here's Denzel Washington and uh, Morgan Freeman right. in a great new Christmas thing. Right. This is a guy people never heard of. But if if those audiences that have heard a little bit about it or find out, man, this seems to be a hip thing that a lot of people are going to out west, maybe we should bring it here. I think that would open some doors for it to be shared with more people. And there's definitely the opportunity where people who may have even had their tickets to see you in that live theatrical performance are like, well, I'm not doing that, but I can go see them at the, uh, the, the movie house down the street or the, you know, the right. mega, the megaplex in town to be able to do it. Now I've got uh, just, a, I've got three very important questions that I need to ask you. I'm assuming at some point it's going to be available for those who are not lucky enough uh, to get it into a theater in their town. It's going to be available on DVD for people to purchase. Right. And people can find that. Have you, have, are you familiar with any movie you've ever seen? Well, you that... know, yeah. listen, you you are a man who sometimes thinks out of the box and, and, and it sort of leads to my next question. If, if the movie is available, do you plan on taking it again on the road next year when this whole thing has cleared up? Or are you going to say, people, if they want to watch it, they can see the movie? Well, you know, I, I think those are very legitimate questions. What I don't know is a year ago, I thought I knew exactly what I was going to do <laughs> the next year. Sure. And it changes, you know. And so, first of all, I am thrilled that it's now. I don't want my friends that run these movie theaters. In fact, I think I finally arrived because I live in Heber and the Avon Theater in downtown Heber City <laughs> has got me on the has got Forgotten Carols on the marquee. And I thought I have made it. Yes, I, you have. But, but but part of the reason is I want my buddy who runs Jim Lane, who runs that place and it's been hurting because of the COVID thing. Mm -hmm. I want him to get a lot of work. And if I say, oh, don't worry about it. You can go see it some other way. That isn't helpful for his business. That, sure. uh, that, that, sure. and, and I want everybody to say, hey, Forgotten Carols matters. I want to see it in these theaters. After it kind of maybe does its turn in the theaters, clearly there will be a chance. And all the updates on the questions you have will be on ForgottenCarols.com. So when it will become available as a DVD, that will be 
told. Uh, when there'll be streaming options, that'll be told. And all of the updates on what are we going to do in 2021? Listen, I'm just trying to get through, you know, <laughs> November sure. of this year. Sure. So. Well, then the last question, maybe you haven't been asked before, but I'll ask this question of you and then I'll let you go. How is your wife holding up with you being around this holiday season? Is she going to make it? Well, you know, she, you you saw her in the film, right? She's Sarah. That's well, my wife. Well, but but my but my question is is that normally you guys would be able to be really busy and have to you know sort of be distracted from each other. Is she going to be able to handle a whole lot of Michael McLean this Christmas season? Is she going to be okay with it? It's a lot of Michael. I just want to make sure she's ready for what's in store. Well, you know that there is no change. There is no change. She has. She has. She's so great. But um, she has, you know, she has me all the time anyway. <laughs> and this is the first Christmas in 29 years that our family hasn't had to work the way we have. Because from, from about the 4th of November until Christmas Day, it's just insane. And now I get to uh, be home. <laughs> I get a chance to have kind of Christmas with the fam. I, I mean, because of COVID, we can't do the things that we used to be able to do during this time of year, but it's a real adjustment for everybody. And, um, and I just hope we get to make out more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. I knew something was coming. I knew there was a lot of, as a storyteller, I knew there was a, there was a punchline, there was a something there. And we got there. Michael McLean, you can go to theforgottencarols.com for all the updates because you know it's coming. It's going to come to a streaming thing. You know it's going to come to DVD, but here's the thing. You're going to be able to provide uh, Christmas in some ways for a lot of people by going to the theater, buying a ticket, checking it out. It may help it to uh, be in multiple theaters across the nation. And as you pointed out, already an international release, what with Canada and all. Uh, why yes, not? With, with, with Lethbridge. Yeah. My, uh, I was on a mission uh, in South Africa 40 years ago with um, no. 50 years ago. Oh, my gosh. 50 years ago. And uh, my buddy, Gary Jubber, is from Lethbridge. Uh, his family were South Africans. And the fact that I have some fans and I'm a, now that I'm an international rock star, I thought <laughs> I thought back in 2017 when Jeff and I got a chance to sing with uh, Imagine Dragons in their Love Loud thing. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'm the only guy on Medicare that's ever sung with Imagine Dragons. Well, there you go. And uh, that's right. <laughs> but now, now, 40 years ago, Mr. Kruger's Christmas, which I produced, was released. And I am now almost the same age that Jimmy Stewart was when he did Mr. Kruger's Christmas. And um, it's, it's kind of come a little bit, it's like come a little bit full circle. So please tell people uh, or share with them through this podcast, my gratitude and my um, my deep love and my my hopefulness that the spirit that has permeated the shows that have been live will be in those theaters. Absolutely. For all the details, people can go to uh, forgotten theforgottencarols.com. No, 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 no. Just www.forgottencarols.com. No, the. No, the. Just forgottencarols.com. Uh, check it out and support those folks. All right, sir, I got three more questions that I'm going to ask you before I let you go as we let's ask anyone who steps into the culture hall. The first question is, is, do you have a calling right now, sir? And if so, what is it? I am doing my calling on air with you. There it is. I, th this is, I have, yeah, I, yes, I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've been a bunch of other things. But my, um, my calling, my calling is I'm on a mission right now. And my mission is to kind of share my testimony before I'm not around with as many people as powerfully as I can. And it takes all my money and all my time and all my energy, but I'm finding great peace and joy in doing it. If you could pick a calling for yourself, these are just the standard questions, Michael. I don't, I don't get to pick them. They're always here. If you could pick a calling for yourself, uh, what would you pick? You can make one up or pick one that already exists. Well, you know, the, when you're in this, church for this many years, you've kind of pretty much done everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I love one of my favorite callings ever was primary chorister, because I did it. I started in high school in New Jersey, 
And we rented, we didn't have a chapel, so we rented the Methodist church or the Catholic church and would go in the off hours. Mm -hmm. And I would take my guitar for primary. Mm -hmm. And I would, uh, I was kind of a music man for the primary kids. And so all of those primary songs, and I think if you knew, if you know the great primary songs, you know the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I love that component, but I'm just hoping that um, if I'm helpful enough to my buddies that are mission presidents, I won't ever have to do that. Mm -hmm. If I go to firesides for my young wind president, I won't have to do that. If I can, uh, my favorite line of all the callings I've ever had was when I was on the high council, my good friend, um, Brother McNaughton, I was telling him, I said, I don't know why you invited me to be on the high council. I'm not a I, I'm just not that guy. I'm not mature enough. I'm not grown up. I kind of see things differently. I don't tell talks the way everybody does. Why do you have me on the high council? And he said, Brother McLean, we don't think of you as regular army. We think of you as special forces. <laughs> so my favorite calling would be special forces to be where I'm needed when I'm needed there. I love it. I love it. Uh, the final question we ask everyone, interpret it however you will. What is your favorite part of your faith? What is your, what, what now I didn't even, I didn't even know how to process that. What's my favorite part of my faith? I'm just grateful. I've, after my nine year faith crisis, I'm grateful I found it again. Uh, you know, I, I went, the faith part of it is what do you do when you feel nothing? You know, the, the, the real faith is not, that's, that's different than saying what's the favorite part of being part of the people that I worship with, or what's my favorite part of um, the favorite part of my faith. Some of the most important parts of my faith have not been my favorite. Some of the most important lessons that I've, I've learned and I'm grateful for it. You would never call a favorite, you know, you bitch and moan to heaven and say, when will this go away? And haven't I earned your attention? And when's this going to work out the way it's supposed to? And mm -hmm. That's the, nobody's favorite is that, but unless we, did you ever read that book? Have you interviewed Bruce Hafen for his, uh, yes. uh faith is not blind. Yes. Book? Yeah. That re that really helped me kind of figure out what had happened during my nine years of heaven just being shut. Mm -hmm. And, um, no one, I wouldn't wish that on anybody on one hand, cause it's so painful. But now that I meet people who are in the middle of it, I treat them differently. Yeah, because I've been there. Yeah, and all of the all of the platitudes and all of the things that we say to each other in our culture, when you're in it, you just need people to show up and shut up and put their arm around you and say, "It's okay, we'll get through this." What can I do so that this doesn't become harder for you? Not let me remind you of the blessings you are not acknowledging, and right. let me give you the five steps to overcoming your faith right yeah. now. What we need, we're all burn victims. We, we just need tenderness. We need, we need um, love. We need patience. We need listening and not um, chastising. No, we just need each other so desperately to just get through it all. And my favorite thing of my faith are those people that I worship with who let me be me and let me raise my hand and say, I'm having a hard time with this thing. Mm -hmm. Can you bear this burden with me? I'm so grateful, more grateful than I have ever been for those who have been willing to, to take that journey with me. That's, that's my favorite part. Well, Michael, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, <laughs> we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row. Show.